0: The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now, prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hey, story of my life getting shown up by my wife. So, hey, welcome to ACF Church. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are glad that you're here for our series, Ego Trip. Uh, we're calling it the series that's not for you, it's for the person next to you. And so you can just relax. None of this is about you. It's just about the person to your right or to your left. So anyway, it's been a great series so far. Uh, thanks for coming this morning on this beautiful sunny day. I want to encourage you guys, second service people, if you uh, can at all possibly wake up a little earlier and come to first service and continue to make some space in the second service, that would be a great blessing. Um, it's summertime. There's lots of transitioning happening in, in our church. You may be new this morning, and uh, last last week, or a couple weeks ago, we had, I think, 20 new families show up to ACF Church, and a lot of other people are leaving and moving to the lower 48, and so it's just a, a, a season of high transition in our community. If you're waiting for the person next to you to say hi to you this morning, because you're the new person, they may be new too. And so just want to encourage you, like, step out, uh, meet some people, and if you're new, just uh, make this place your home, get to know some people, and uh, it'll feel more like home when you come in on a Sunday morning, but we're in a series called. Ego trip. And a question I have for you is Have you ever seen somebody fall? from the top, like they have achieved a lot, they have done a lot, maybe they are at the top of their game, and and just in a split second, it's all it takes for them to come, you know, falling to the bottom, and uh, and have you ever watched that, maybe even celebrated it a little bit, feeling a little vindicated as a person by watching somebody achieve a lot and then fail, and maybe makes you feel better about yourself? Uh, We see this all the time in our culture, and I ran across a video that I think paints this picture perfectly, so watch this clip real quick.
1: But this is the final lap, so Vicky Golden is going to have to really turn it on. Rutledge coming through. Will she be able to hold this and take the gold medal in Los Angeles? Oh no! no! Poked her fist! Oh, she thought she was going to win it, but she opened the door, went down, and Vicky Golden is going to take gold in Los Angeles over Rutledge. Did that just happen? Wow. Unbelievable turn of events. Look at the dejection of Megan Rutledge. She thought she had it. She pumped her fist over the steel ramp which was not the finish line and made a mistake on the landing. Oh, wow. From the pinnacle of joy to the depths of defeat for Megan Rutledge, but Vicky Golden. It's the 3 peaks. Let's take a look. I mean, she had a great run in, and she looks like she just started to drop the nose. She needed that throttle to bring the, the front back up. And she change. sees Golden Land right there, and she knows it's all over. Another look. Oh, wow. That is so sad. Megan Rutledge put in such an awesome race. But it's one mistake that cost you. and. That was a big mistake for Megan Rutledge. Look at that. The sad face of Megan Rutledge, who had it. She absolutely had the win in this race, Cameron
0: oh the dejection the pain is just horrible isn't it oh that's just a perfect picture of it so she's she's coming up to the end of the race the last turn of the race she pumps her fist because she is gonna win be victorious and then she lets go of the throttle and the bike uh, goes nose down and uh, dive bombs into the ground so we've seen this before right I mean, the moment where people think that they've got it all in, under control. They've got the win in their hands and they can do it on their own. They're so excited, you know, it's, it's just inevitable. The victory is yours and they lose it in this split second. That's all it takes. And we see this in our culture all the time. People who are at the top just totally losing it, you know? And, and like I said earlier, we kind of celebrate this for some reason sometimes, you know? Somebody like Justin Bieber gets a DUI and we're like, oh yeah, yep, see, serves him right, right? Or do you guys remember back to the whole Enron debacle? Does anybody remember Enron? This this huge energy company and it, they went into bankruptcy. It was the biggest bankruptcy we'd ever seen. All kinds of shady stuff going on behind the scenes. Just a crazy thing. Just falling from the top, being this huge corporation that is then worth absolutely nothing, and even just way before that, think about like the Titanic, right? And it was the Titanic was known as the ship that that even God couldn't sink. Which, if you want to fail at something, just just say even God won't stop me. I mean, that's a great way to set yourself up to totally fail. Um, and we kind of know what happened to the Titanic, so. And, and we all get this. We have this tendency to celebrate too early, to kind of celebrate our own success. Um, I, uh, I used to play softball with my wife, Amanda. She was actually the coach. Um, and she's the sporty part of our relationship, you know. I'm more the artist, you know, and she's, you know, got all the athletic genes. And so, um, she she was coaching the team. She did tryouts, and I made the team, which is hilarious. Uh, I think it's just because she can't keep her hands off me, but it's not because I'm talented at softball, because I'm not that good at softball at all. But I made the team, which was awesome. And so she put me in the most important position that she said the uh, right outfield, I guess, is the it's where you put the people who are the most talented. On the team. And so, so I'm, in, I'm in right outfield and I'm hanging out and I'm like, you know, chasing butterflies and picking up grass. And I mean, there's nothing happening. It's just dead out there. You know, balls are flying around. And it's a leisure league. People are hitting it pretty light. Uh, the guys have to swing left handed, you know, and, and so it's just the way that the, the leagues are set up. Well, this guy gets up and he's a bruiser of a guy. And you can just tell, like, this guy's gonna nail it. So all the, all the infield people, they start moving out, and I'm kinda paying attention, and kinda not, just hanging out. It's never gonna come to me. And he pops the ball, and it goes into the air, and it is, I mean, it is just coming right at me, right? And so I, I get ready, and I'm like, this is, this is what my whole life has been training for. This moment, it's coming at me right now. And so I kinda stick my hand up in the air, and I close my eyes a little bit, and BAM! Sure enough, I catch the ball, and everybody's cheering, and I'm like, woo! And I start running around, with the ball, and I'm doing laps, and I'm celebrating. And I catch Amanda, and she's coming from the dugout, and she's coming right at me. And it's not to give me a kiss, right? I mean, she is just mad, and she's like, Never do that again. I'm like, What? She's like, You're just telling everybody to hit the ball to you every time because you're a bad softball player. I didn't realize that when you celebrate, apparently that's telling everybody that this doesn't happen often. So she's like, Hey, don't do that. You're just going to tell everybody, Yeah, hit to Hit the right field guy. He'll never catch it again. And sure enough, <laughs> another ball comes to me and I totally fail and miss the ball and can't catch. So, anyway, I had my moment in the sun um, impressing everybody. But we have this tendency to to celebrate too early, to celebrate our own victories, you know? And, and it comes back to bite us all the time. And, and it goes deeper than this. It, it's not just those kind of things, but even just look at your life. Maybe you feel confident in the way that you've managed your life. And as you look at your life right now, you feel like I've kind of got it under control. Like things are going pretty w- pretty good. My my family's doing well. Maybe maybe your kids they're doing well, they're acting well, they're listening to you, they're getting decent grades. You know, maybe you're in school and you're you're getting pretty good grades in school and you've got a decent house. Maybe you're financially stable right now. For the first time in your life, you're feeling financially stable and like you've kind of got this this financial thing locked down. You know, I don't know what it is, but you've you've just started feeling like I'm pretty confident, like I'm, I'm okay. I think that, I think I can kind of relax and revel in my own victory here. Or maybe even deeper than that, there's, there's things that you've overcome. Maybe issues, behavior issues, things that you've, addictions that you've had. I don't know what they may be, but maybe you've overcome those things and you, you haven't struggled with them for a while. And so you've, you're kind of in this place where you're like, I think I got this locked down. I think I'm above this at this point. I think I have achieved a success and I've overcome this and and I don't have to worry about that part of my life anymore, you know? And so we start to elevate ourselves. We start to feel like, you know, we're pretty self-confident, you know? And things happen in our culture. We realize that this is in us when we see things like, have you guys been watching the whole uh, drama about Bruce Jenner? you guys seen all that? So Bruce Jenner was an excellent Olympic athlete, you know, this guy. And, and he went and he had all of the physical surgeries done to uh, physically look like a woman instead of a man. And so the drama's been all over the, cra- all over the place. He was on a Vanity Fair magazine cover. And there's all kinds of just judgment going on from people. And it's, it's kind of coming from this place as I'm reading things online and stuff. It's kind of from this like, you know, I've done some things in my life, but I would never do that, you know. I've made some mistakes or I've made some decisions that are questionable or whatnot, whatever, but I would never do something like that. And so we start to like categorize behaviors and we start to put ourselves into different categories than other people, you know, and we start to say, well, you know, here are my mistakes and, you know, they're not that bad compared to these mistakes. And it, 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 I don't know if we know what that says about the way that we view sin, the way that we view the world, the way that we view God, the way that we view other people, but it's crazy. And there are these things in our culture that, that start to polarize people. And what comes out is this, this feeling that, hey, we're above certain things. You know, like I would never do that. And so this whole series has been about pride. It's been about our egos. And, and today is called Tripping Up by Triumph. How are, how are we tripped up by our successes, tripped up by our triumphs, tripped up by the things that we overcome? And, uh, and then how do we lose it because of that? Because we all, we all think that we're unstoppable until we're not, Right? You ever been there? I am unstoppable. I am undefeatable. I am completely self-sufficient until that moment that you are helpless and you need help. And so let's pray together and then let's go to God's word together. Jesus, I just, uh, man, I just, I have a lot to learn in this. And I know we as a a community want to grow in this area. Father, I know that we all have pride. And God, I know that it is... uh, It's getting in the way of your best for us. So God, would you just give us the ability to step away from our circumstances and from our successes for a few minutes and to see ourselves in light of Jesus. And God, could we just walk away being transformed by your work within our hearts? God, bind us together as friends and as a community, as family. God, I pray that uh, we'd see just forward motion in our lives as we step out of these doors today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So. Uh, If you want to follow along, the, uh, the, the scriptures will be on the screen behind me. They'll also be in the insert that you got on the way in. And you can also follow along in your Bible app, if you have a Bible app on your phone. And the notes are also digitally at our webpage. So if you go to acfak.org, there'll be a banner at the top that you can click on and look at our notes there. And if you don't have a Bible app, I always recommend the Uversion Bible app. It's just a good Bible app. Uh, I think they probably have it on iPhone and Android. But uh, lots of reading plans and things there to follow along. But we'll be in Second Chronicles 25. So Second Chronicles 25 is where you want to start off. And we're studying this guy named Uzziah just an awesome name Uzziah which means my strength is in Yahweh that's what his name means my strength is in Yahweh and, and I don't know if you've heard his name before Uzziah maybe you've heard it from the here I am send me passage you guys know that passage from Isaiah it's a very famous Christian passage we like to we like to put it up on our walls and stuff here I am send me Christian, uh, Christian Americans just go crazy for that kind of thing like oh God you need a volunteer to save the world That's me I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I got this. I got this for you, God. So this is this is the guy that at the beginning of that it says in the year that King Uzziah died and it talks about this whole prophecy that was spoken through Isaiah, but let's talk about Uzziah. He's got this father and his father is named Amaziah. And so his father sort of sets the stage for Uzziah to become king. And things are sort of a wreck. Um, Amaziah ends up splitting the nation of Israel into two kingdoms, the, the northern and the southern kingdom, and not splitting it because of uh, intentionality, but splitting it because people are all um, torn about his leadership and people are in strife and discord in the nation. And so Second 2 Chronicles 25.1 says this, Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet not with a whole heart. So this is this man's dad. So, he, so he's got this picture of his dad who is a man who follows God and does, does the right thing in the eyes of the Lord. Maybe he was a religious man, you know. He, he would worship God. Maybe he'd do religious things. He'd gather, you know, with other believers, other religious people. You know, maybe he'd make the right sacrifices and do all of the right things. And so from, from the outside, maybe he looks like a good, what would be a good Christian person today. But on the inside, it's it's making a note that he didn't do it with his whole heart. That he kind of half-heartedly followed God. Which is interesting. And he has this way of of talking about it where we realized that there was this tendency in the kings to create false idols and to worship other gods. When they would get to the top and they would have all of this authority, all of this power, there's this tendency to kind of feel like they've got this thing locked down, feel like they're pretty confident, and then it would always begin to be the fall of their leadership. And so even before him, we have this guy, King Solomon, And Solomon wrote what's called the Proverbs, which is considered wisdom literature because Solomon was known as the the wisest man that had ever lived. And so in in their heritage is this guy, Solomon, who writes things like this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Submission to God, fear of God, that's honor and respect of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And he writes things like this, pride comes before a fall. See, it's a popular proverb we know that one by heart pride comes before a fall we know that and they would have known this and yet we see things like amaziah following god half-heartedly it's sort of like choose your own adventure christianity right you guys ever read the choose your own adventure books anybody like those you still love those books because they were written in the second person, and you were the protagonist in the story. And so you could kind of determine what would happen next. You know, am I going to go, you know, surfing? Or am I going to go to the moon? Or am I going to go ride a boat, you know, out in the middle of the ocean? And you could pick where you were going. And I think, I think we kind of connect with this idea that we want to follow God, but sometimes we just want a little control. Like, like, we, we like the, the fact that we're part of this bigger story, that God, God's, you know, working these things together in the world, and we, we, we understand that we have to submit to him, but if I could just pick how I do it, that'd be great. Like, if I could just decide exactly what it looks like in my life to follow you, God, that would be awesome. And, and so that's kind of the story that his dad sets up, and, and this, is, this is the man that he looks to, the man that he learns from. And it's a mess, the nation is a mess, just like we look around and we see that our nation is a mess. We see that lots of horrible things are happening, not just in our homeland, but across the world. And I don't know if that concerns you. I don't know if you watch the news and you, you just get really nervous and really bothered and concerned about the world. And you think, man, it's just, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, but, but I would say this. I think, that, I think that bad things are happening, but I don't know that it's getting any worse. I just think we're more aware of it than ever. I think that we have this way through technology to hear about horrible atrocities that happen on the other side of the world within seconds. I mean, they go viral. We all know about it. And so it's been bad for a long time. And as we read scripture, there are some pretty horrible things that happen in ancient history. And so they come into this messed up culture. This is the culture that Uzziah comes into. Second Chronicles 26. Let's skip ahead to that. Second 2 Chronicles 26.3. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in, in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So talk about big shoes to fill. You're 16, and you're leading the nation of Israel. It's just crazy. So he's, at, he's 16. And what's really interesting about this is that he leads, he leads them into submission to God. He starts off his leadership with the fear of God, which is just beautiful because he, he looks to his dad. He looks at his dad's example, and he sees that his dad followed God half-heartedly. And instead of saying, you know, your religion is stupid, what you believed is stupid, clearly it didn't mean anything, and so I'm going to run the other direction. I'm going to throw out everything that you taught me and go the other way. He says, no, there was truth in my dad's beliefs. There was truth in the way that my dad tried to follow God, and yet maybe he didn't follow him right. Maybe he made some mistakes. And instead of just judging his dad's leadership and running the other direction, he runs into God. He presses in towards God and says, listen, I'm 16, and I'm going to lead this nation of Israel. And and can you imagine? He either would have have become very arrogant or very humble, right? When you're given a large weight to carry, you either become very arrogant because it's like, look at me, look what I can carry. Or you become very humble because you're like, I'm just not, I can't believe this. I can't believe that I've been given this opportunity. And so he starts off by making himself very small. By, by going to the fear of God, just to, to respect God, to honor God. And he wants to honor God through his leadership. I get this feeling personally. So as a, as a pastor, so I've been leading at this church for about eight months now. Um, I was leading worship before that, if you're new. And so I'm pretty new to this whole thing. And I'm constantly aware of this feeling of like, man, this church is so much bigger than me. Um, You guys, there's so many opportunities represented here. There's there's a lot of pain represented here. There are things that have gone on in your lives that I know nothing about. And so here I am, I get to stand before you and just try to go to God's word. And I just, I open it up and I I speak and I, I hope that God speaks to you guys. And then I walk away and I go, okay. I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if God's going to use this. And I look at this city, and I see this city of people who are coming into this, this town with a lot of messed up stories and a lot of broken situations. And I'm like, okay, God. I mean, you're either going to use us or you're not. Like, we're either going to step up to the call that we have as a church to go into this city and reach people with the name of Jesus, or we're not. I, I, I can't control it. You know, it's so beyond me. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of reminded of this a couple weeks ago because... I was in the office and these, uh, these two gentlemen showed up and they're from the Gideons. You guys know what the Gideons are? The Gideons are, they're why you have a Bible in your nightstand every time you go to a hotel. Um, they, they just have made this their personal mission to make the word of God available to people all over the world, which is just a beautiful mission. And so these guys showed up, both probably in their 70s wearing suits. They're looking very nice and dapper and, and the shoes are all shine. They're looking great. And so they're like, hey, is the senior pastor here? And uh, Heather's like, yeah, I'll go get them, you know. So I go down, the, she goes in the hallway, She's like, Brian, you got a couple visitors, you know, and I come walking up the hallway, and these two guys are standing there, and they're like, I mean, literally, like, I'm not even, I'm not even there, you know, they're like, what's, are we getting punked? Like, what's going on? I mean, they're just like looking around, I'm like, hey, can I help you guys? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they're looking at me like, who are you? And I'm like, well, I'm the senior pastor here, and they're like, oh, Okay, you know, and it's just, it was this moment where it was, they were kind of looking at me like, is your dad home? You know, like when you used to answer the door, the solicitors would come like, are your parents here somewhere? This is, this isn't right, right? And so I just walked away going, huh, that's uh, another reminder of how small I am, you know, and just the, I guess the opportunity that I have, but also just realizing, listen, I'm, uh, I am so, uh, I, I just can't do this alone. And I, and, and so trusting that God is working through, what we're doing. And so this is this guy whose he realizes that he can't do this alone, that this is way too big for him. So verse six He went out and made war against the Philistines, and broke through the wall of Gath, and the wall of Jabnah, in the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Girbal and against the Meunites the Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. So we see this guy, he's growing in his leadership. And not only is he growing, but his, his, his people are growing. And he's building this, this military movement, this military empire. And they're going to battle. You can imagine they're going to battle against the Philistines, and they're succeeding. They're succeeding. And anytime, if you're a leader and you're making commands and you are moving people and those people succeed at what you told them to do, then you're gaining rapport with the people. So he's, he's building his authority. Like, can you imagine at 16, there are probably some doubters, a couple haters in the crowd. Like, I don't know. He's 16. Should he lead the nation? I, maybe. And then as he goes on, he develops and he grows and he gathers more, uh, more insight and more military leadership. And he's becoming strong as a leader, which is just awesome. So skip ahead to verse 14. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. So he he is preparing the army. He's giving them everything that they need. You know, he's building this, this infrastructure to create all of the supplies so that they could go to war, you know? And then it says he built machines invented by skillful skillful men. He's, he's building machines of war, which is just crazy. So it's like, this is like Mad Max stuff I'm seeing here, you know? Like stuff that's shooting the flaming arrows and these crazy contraptions. And I can imagine all of these inventors coming to him. Like, here's the new cool thing. It's like James Bond, you know? Like, here's the new cool gun that we've created, you know? This this new thing so that we can win at what we're doing, you know? So he's building this whole, this whole infrastructure structured together. And then it says he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And maybe you're like, well it just said that he was strong. I get it. He's he's getting strong. Well in this context, strong isn't strong. Strong here is proud. He was marvelously helped until he became proud. Until he started to tip over the top of the scale and go, listen, I I think that I can do this. Have you been there? Have you been there where like things are coming together? And life's pretty good. It's going really well. Things are going... It seems like when you touch something, it succeeds. I mean, you just just invest in something and it succeeds. And he's in this this place of life where everything he touches seems to succeed. And he's growing in rapport. And not only is it his issue, but the people around him, I can just imagine, are just elevating him like, hey, keep leading us well, keep doing... You are just the best, you know? So he's just up on this pedestal At the top of his game, and then he gets strong. Which is the story of him and all of the kings, it seemed like, before him. That they would become strong, and then at some point their integrity would fail. At some point, they would start to separate from God and do it on their own. And that would be the end of their leadership. And so I look at his triumphs, I look at all that he achieved, and I wonder, like, when you see the blessings in your life, and you see the things that you've triumphed over, all of your successes do you see that as as God's blessing? Because sometimes it's a blessing and other times I think that maybe it's just a test. Like if you're touching everything and, and it's just succeeding and you're like, you know, you're getting raises at your job and your family, you know, everything's going well in your family, you know, everything's going well in your life. I wonder sometimes like if that's not as much of a blessing as it is judgment on our character, you know? I just wonder, like, God's like, no, you got some stuff to learn. So I'm going to give you everything that you wanted. I'm going to give you everything you ever asked for. And I'm going to make you feel very stable. And then at some point, you're going to get the decision to either follow me and give it all to me and trust me with everything, or you're going to run your own way and it's going to fall apart. And this is the story. This is not just the story of the kings, or this is the story of humanity, Right? From the very beginning, there's this perfect place that God builds for us. He gives us everything. He just tells us not to do one thing. And guess what we do? That one thing. That's a story. It's what, we, it's what, we're, it's what we're doing, it's what we are as people, it's our tendency. So he becomes proud. Verse 16 But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah, the priest, went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who were consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Okay, so you know that you have lost it. You know that your ego is absolutely out of control when your friend comes to confront you with 80 people. Like, I mean, your head is so big and you are so unwilling to hear the people around you that they have to bring 80 other, not just people, they're priests. You know, 80 priests come to you. They knock on your door like, hey, we got a problem there's something going down here like you don't realize what you're doing. So this is the situation that he's in which is it's interesting to me that that these are these are his his priests, you know, like in his nation they are coming after him. I mean, have you ever been called out by your kids before? Like you're thinking like I taught you. You don't call me out, right? And these are the people that have submitted to his authority. He has raised them up in the fear of the Lord. He's encouraged them to fear God and to trust God. And yet at some point, his leadership is too good for his own integrity. And these people, they're like, hey, you taught us, you taught us to fear God. You taught us to trust God, and now you're not doing it. And so we're going to call you out on this. I want to say this. Humility doesn't equal passivity. What we're talking about here is not being passive. The church isn't called to be passive, to just watch the world go by and say, hey, okay, well, I'm just going to let it burn itself down. I mean, we need a church, we need a, a group of people who are willing to weigh in and to be, to be agents of grace in our culture, agents of hope and peace. Not just watching horrible things happen, but willing to take part and to jump in. So these priests, they, they stand up, they're like, hey, this is wrong, this is a problem. And maybe you're like, okay, so he burned incense. Is that really all it takes to destroy a strong military leader? He burns a little incense. Is that, is that really? It says to his destruction. He grew proud to his destruction. Is that all it takes to be the end of all of your leadership? But you have to understand that in this culture, God had forbidden the kings to perform the duties of the priests. Right, this is just the brilliance of, of God's system. He's like, no, you as a king have this job over here. And you as a priest have this job over here. You guys don't do the same thing. It's important that we have a separation of these two so that there's not any kind of issue. It's not, it's not for you to do the job of the priest, you know, and to use your power as a political figure to press these religious systems. And so there's a separation there, which is really, really interesting. And when he goes and he does the job of the priest, it's like saying, God, I got this. And I don't need you anymore. Like, I know that, I know that you've been with me. I know that you've empowered. I know that you've given me everything that I have, all of my success. But I think I can do a little more. I, I, I think that I can overcome a little. I think that I can do some things that I know you didn't tell me to do. I know that's his job over there. But I'm, I think I can kind of do everything for everyone. And so you see this inflated ego and this misunderstanding of his place in the kingdom of God. And this is the moment for us. I mean, we get this where we start to act like we're above certain kind of morals, where we start to do things that we were never called to do or supposed to do, where we start to achieve in areas that we weren't necessarily called to achieve in. Like we're over here and and God's working and moving. And so we go, well, it's just got to get bigger. It's got to grow. There's got to be more. And so we keep pushing for more until pretty soon we're way outside of what God had intended us to do. This is the road that leads to narcissism, right? This is the road that leads to the whole world is about me. Everything's about me. It's it's all you guys are all here for me, which is awesome. You know? I mean, that's that's where this comes from. This feeling that I can do your job. Not only can I do my job well, I can do your job well too. I'm I'm that good. And so, it's it's this point where we become above certain things. Like we have just transcended above having a certain calling in a certain place. And so, even think about this like why do so many people in, in a culture where there's so much abuse, there's a, lot of, there, there's a lot of abuse in Alaska. Many of you have abuse in your story, in your background. Why do so many people who have been abused become abusers? Why is that? I really think that it comes from this, this perspective on what's gone down that like, I would never do that. Like, that was done to me, so I would never do that. And it's a natural tendency, like, this was a horrible thing that went down in my life, so I would never do this thing over here. And then what happens is people end up doing things they said they would never do. And so we have to watch our pride, right? We have to watch our ego and go, okay, where do I fit into all of this? My dad... uh, My dad used to call this getting too big for my britches. Anybody's dad ever say that? Boy, you're getting too big for your britches. I used to hear that all the time. You know, and what did that mean? That meant like, okay, son, here's what I told you to do. And here's what you're doing over here. Like, you didn't just do what I told you to do. You did more than you were supposed to. And this is when we start to think that we're God. You know, this is when we start to think, hey, I'm kind of bigger than I really am. Verse 19 says this. Then Uzziah was angry, which when you're confronted and your ego's inflated, a lot of times people get angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And so he had leprosy break out on his body, which you're like, let's well, put a little ointment on it, dude. Like, uh, it's not a big deal. But like leprosy is this horrible thing, these open wounds on your body. And it wasn't just that he had these wounds. I mean, that would be bad enough. But it was that when you had leprosy, you were considered unclean. This would have been the fall of his leadership as a king. This would have been the moment that they would have said, okay, now you're unclean. He probably would have had to spend the rest of his life living outside the city, living in this, relegated to this other community of the outcast. And so it wasn't just that, oh yeah, I made him a little sick. No, this was like the end for him. The end of his leadership, the end of his reign, the end of his authority, because he chose for just a moment to step outside of what God had given him and to start to take his own authority, you know, and run on his own. This is, this is the whole narrative of the Bible. It's about people that God gives provision to. He gives sustenance to. He supports and loves who at some point rebel against God because of our pride. This is the story of humanity. So think for a second, think, just kind of switching gears. Think, what have you, what have you achieved in your life? What have you done? I mean, do you have beautiful kids? You're like, man, they are just, this is the pinnacle of everything I've done. My children or maybe you have a really good job, you know, and you're just proud of your job maybe. Maybe you got a big promotion lately and, and you've got a lot of a lot of people who are reporting to you and you've done that well. Maybe you've uh, overcome some kind of addiction in your life and you've you've overcome some kind of behavior or maybe you have a nice house or drive some nice cars, you know. Maybe you're in shape, like your body's looking, looking pretty fly right now, you know. Things are things are going well all up in this business. Like I'm I'm doing pretty well. Like I'm looking really good. Right now, I don't know what you've achieved in your life. Maybe you've gotten some awards. Maybe you get really good grades in school. Whatever it is, I want to ask you, do you think that you got here all on your own? Do you think it was all you? Like, really? Like, nobody helped you. Nobody was with you. Nobody supported you. That didn't come from any, anywhere else. Because I think if you looked at your story, if you looked at your past, what you'd see is a series of people and circumstances and situations that have created opportunities for you. Now, maybe you walked into those opportunities. Maybe you took the opportunity. But, you know, even if you, even if you grew up in a house where there was almost no money and things were falling apart and you had the opportunity to turn that around and you had the determination to make something of yourself, where did that determination come from? Like, do you think you decided to be born in America with the opportunities that you're given? Do you think you decided to be given the genes and the, the thought processes that you have? Like, did any of that come from you? Of course not. I mean, these were all gifts to you, opportunities placed before you. And so we have, to, we have to start with that. Did really any of this come from us? I think that we get tripped up by triumph because we misunderstand what triumph really is and where it comes from. We misunderstand really what, what it looks like to succeed at life. You know, people say, I'm winning at life right now. Well, what does that really look like? You know, does it look like all of the things that you've listed out? True success extends from this life to the next. True success extends from this life to the next. As you weigh your life, which I think you should do sometimes. I think if you haven't done that lately, just go home, spend a few minutes. Maybe it's in bed tonight. Just weighing your life. Whatever scale you choose to weigh your life by. And ask yourself yourself what does any of this matter like i want to list out all the things that i've done what does it matter because in the kingdom of god true success extends to the next life it extends into eternity and the things that you invest in if you're like success is all of this stuff if if any of that stuff will turn to dust one day you have no success you have no success outside of the kingdom of god i've got uh, i've got 3 kids and uh, my oldest cadence, she loves the mud she 's always loved playing in the mud, just getting down in it. you know if there was, if there's water and dirt in the background, backyard, like it's an opportunity for her, and she'll put them together, and she'll just she just would sit in it when she was little, and so we 'd catch her out back and she 'd be down in this nasty mud, and she 's playing with it 's all over, you know, and i 'd always catch her and I 'd just come out because I mean at this point, what do you do right she 's just covered in this stuff, and so I 'd catch her and I'd come up to her, and I'd be like, Cadence, what are you doing?" She's like, "I'm playing in the mud, Daddy." It's awesome. <laughs> Looks good, you know. And and I'm like, "What do you got there?" And she's like, "Well, it's it, it's you, you know? Like it's, there's there's mom and there's there's dad, you know? And it's mud, right? This isn't sand where you can actually make things that look like something. This is clumps of nasty, right? So like it's dad, it's you, and it's it's mom, and it's you know. There's our house, and you know there's our our, our town, and here's all of this stuff. And I'm like, eh, my kid's not going to graduate high school, right? It's like, it's like, it's like I don't know how to tell you this, kid. It's horrible, right? It's just it doesn't look like anything. It just looks like a mess, right? And I just I think about that for us. Like, look at the success in your life, and I just think as as Christians, we we do this. We look to God, and we're like, look what we built, God do you see our church? Look at the building. Do you see our, do you see our stage and our stuff? And, you know, look at all this thing, all the things that we created, God. Look what I built for you. I wonder if God's like, it's just mud. Without the kingdom of God, it's just mud. If we're not expanding the kingdom, if we're not showing people Jesus, we're just playing in the mud are all tools for the kingdom. And I don't know how you weigh success as a Christian. I mean, is it that there's people in this room, you know? In a year, if we're like, hey, there's still people in this room, we got success as a church, we're locking it down, right? I mean, if this city isn't different, we have set out as a church to be a church that if we disappeared, the city would miss us. You realize that's not every church, right? You realize that churches shut down all the time and nobody knows it. So we have set out to be a community of people that if ACF Church stopped gathering, the city would miss us because we are agents of the grace of Jesus. And so in a year, if we have a standing building, I will not call that success, but if we have expanded the kingdom because as a community we have loved people well, man, praise God, we've done something worth, worth something. And so next thing is this. Every success has an external source. Every success has an external source. Every success comes from somewhere else. We have to understand this. Like whatever you've done just wasn't all on you. As much as you like to think, we like to think, especially as Americans, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. I'm a self-made man. Look what I've done on my own. It just wasn't all from you. There's always an external source. Any Jimmy Fallon fans? We love Jim- I love Jimmy Fallon. So it's like our, night- our nightly routine. I brush my teeth. We get in bed, click on the TV, watch some Jimmy Fallon, you know, go to bed. And so Jimmy Fallon's taken over late-night TV, right? I mean, he is the most popular late-night show, and the guy is everywhere. And what's interesting about Jimmy Fallon is you can't find somebody to say something negative about Jimmy Fallon. Like, everybody loves him, you know? And if somebody were to say something negative about him, nobody would believe it. They're just, we love Jimmy Fallon. He's just awesome. And, and as he started his show, you see all of these famous people come out of the woodwork like, yay, Jimmy Fallon. We're so excited for you. You're doing so good, you know? I mean, he just has so many fans. And I was thinking like, what is it about this man that people are so attracted to? Like, what is it about his personality? And I think it has something to do with this. I think that, I think that when you see Jimmy Fallon, when you see him do his show, you just get this feeling that he wakes up in the morning and looks himself in the mirror and says, I can't believe I get to do this. You know? You get this feeling like, I just, I can't believe it. Another day, I'm on the tonight show, are you kidding me? And when the people come and they sit in the chair, and he's like, they tell a joke, he just like... They are the funniest, most amazing person in the world, right? It doesn't matter who they are. I mean, they are at the top of his list. Like, they matter so much, and you just get this feeling that he just can't believe he's sitting in a desk next to this person. I mean, everybody that comes on is the most amazing person with the most amazing movie, with the most amazing things that they've done. Like, they are just amazing, right? This is Jimmy Fallon. And so, I feel like that this clicks with something in our soul. Like I feel like as, as human beings, we're attracted to people like that who have this sense of where they fit in the universe. And if you know anything about Jimmy Fallon, he does amazing stuff, right? <sighs> Crazy talented, like super awesome uh, singer and musician. He's a, great, uh, he's a great actor. He's funny, right? I mean, he, he does a lot of stuff. He's one, one of the most humbly capable people you'll see on TV. And yet he's just a dude who realizes his place in the universe or at least he he comes off like he knows who he is despite all that he's achieved we love this because i think that deep down inside we all have this sense that as human beings we are intensely capable and yet at the same time severely dependent even if you're not a believer this morning i think that deep down inside we have this this feeling like hey Humans, we can do some pretty amazing things. I mean, look, at, look at what we've accomplished in history. And yet, look at how fragile we are. Look at, look at how, in, in a split second, any one of our lives could be changed forever on the way home today. I mean, life's fragile. We are fragile. Our jobs are fragile. Everything that we think that we have is fragile. And so we connect with this person who's just like, I can't believe I get to do this again. Do you wake up like that? Stare yourself in, in the mirror, you know? The kids screaming downstairs and go, I just can't believe I get to do this again. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I think I need to. So what do we do with this? What do, we, what do we do with all this? I mean, how do we grow in Christ? How do we become what we're intended to be? How do we see our place rightfully in in the universe here like we talked a few weeks ago we're just we're just dust and yet we are God's masterpiece because some of you in this room you're like yeah I don't connect with Uzziah the guy that's accomplishing everything and doing everything I can't seem to do anything right like I can't seem to raise my kids right I can't seem to achieve at anything I can't seem to get the promotion I got no money I got no job my life just stinks right you're like, so I think I'm in the right place, Brian, because I feel like I'm completely, you know, uh, this is completely unapplicable to me because I can't accomplish anything on my own. And I'll tell you this, um, the whole point of this series has not been to think too lowly of yourself and not to think too highly of, your, of yourself. If you, if you as a believer in Jesus see yourself as incapable of doing anything of value on this world, I would say that you have as much of an ego problem as Uzziah did. Or anybody else that thinks way too highly of themselves. Because God has given you gifts. And he has given you a sphere of influence and people in your life that you can impact that I can't. And he's given you abilities that I don't have. And so every part of the body, you guys are all part of what's called the body of Christ. Every piece of the body has a job to do. And when one part of the body isn't doing its job, we are crippled. We need you. So some of us operate that way. Others of us are like, "Yeah, Brian, uh, if I had had success like that, I would give it all to God." You know, if I just won the lottery, I'd give all my money to Jesus. I would keep a little bit, you know, but I'd give a lot of it to God. You know, if I could just get that job, I'm sure, like, man, I'd just give it all to God. Would you? Would you really? If you got everything that you wanted, would you give it to God? Would you? Would you trust Him? I wonder. So we want to grow up as people. We want to become spiritually mature. We want to become those kinds of people. Like my grandfather, I just respected him so much. He was at this place in life before he died um, that he just knew who he was, you know? Like if you've got grandparents or had some time spending with, uh, with the grandparents or people that are older in life, there's this season where you start to just kind of like, you just know who you are. And one thing I loved about my grandfather is like, he could have cared less what you thought of him. He'd walk into this room right now, he'd sit, he'd sit on the stage if he wanted to. Like, meh, you know, if he felt like it. He would just, he cut in on our first dance at our wedding. Like, who does that? The first dance. He comes over, he cuts in and takes Amanda and goes and dances with her. I blow bubbles at him, you know? Like, that's, that was my first dance at my wedding. It's my grandfather. It's like, I just, why? I felt like it. It's good enough. Because he's at this season in life where, the thing is, he wasn't, he's, he's not trying to impress anybody. Got nothing to prove. Nobody to impress. At this point in his life, he just, he's made a lot of mistakes, right? Once you're, once you're 80, you've made some mistakes. And, and once, you're, once you're 80, you've probably succeeded at some stuff too. You've probably done some pretty great things. And, and you become this, this spiritual mature person, like spiritual grandparents, where you got nothing left to prove. And you are very capable. Because you've spent the time, you've studied God's Word, you've gone out and done the work of God. But you've got nothing to prove, and so it can all be for Him. So I want that for us as people. I want us to grow. One thing that'll keep you from doing this is if you're a comparer, you're somebody who compares yourself to other people. Do you tend to look around and say, well, you know, I'm not as good as that person, or, oh, you know, I'm a little better than that person, so, you know, that's, that's at least pretty good. I'm better than them, you know? I, uh, I had this, uh, this guy at school that I used to compare myself to all the time. So for me, I was an artist, and I would draw stuff. That was my claim to fame in school. I would draw pictures. And so every school that I'd go to as a military kid, I'd just, I'd show up and I'd try to draw some cool stuff and show them to my friends. And all of a sudden people would respect me for my amazing artistic abilities. Well, then this kid shows up. Avram. Avram was his name. Seriously? Avram. And he had this weird haircut uh, that I tried, I tried to do on my own because he was so cool and I didn't want to admit it. But. So like, he had this weird haircut and he was an amazing artist. He wore Stussy shirts. Like, remember Stucey with a little, I couldn't afford Stussy shirts. And, uh, and he had the uh, Jenko pants, which were awesome. Remember Jenko's? Come on now. And uh, he had the Jenko pants. Man, the kid was just like, he was awesome. He was way too cool for me. And, and like, he shows up, and now he is like way better than me. And all my friends want to hang out with him now. And it drove me crazy. And so, what did I start doing? Man, I started drawing hard, right? I went right home, I bought a bunch of tablets, I started drawing, I'd go to school the next day, he'd show me something he drew, and I'd be like, oh, that's pretty awesome. And I'd take it, and I'd kind of trace it, and I'd go home, and I'd try to replicate what he did. You know, I'd, I'd pick up my game so that I could match what he does, you know? And, and so it, it's hard, we do this comparing thing. I think you're like, well, maybe you're like, I grew out of that. I don't, I don't think we really grow out of that. And I see this all the time, because like, let's say a friend comes up to you, and they say, hey, I just started this 90-day Bible reading plan. I'm going to read through the whole Bible in 90 days. And it's like changing my life. I mean, I'm 30 days in, and it's crazy. I'm just soaking up the Word of God. It's wrecking me. You know, I use words like that. It's wrecking my life in all the best ways. You know, it's so good. And so what do you do after that conversation? You go get a 90-day Bible reading plan, right? It's like, all right, I've got to pick up my game here a little bit. You know, or somebody's like, "Hey, it was so cool the other day. I was walking by my neighbor's house and I saw his garage door open and so I I walked into his garage and he was working on his car and you know, I can kind of fix some stuff. So I got to help him with his car. And as we're hanging out, you know, we got talking and he starts sharing just it was weird just sharing about his divorce and some hard things he'd gone through. You know, I was able to share about my divorce and this situation that I'd gone through and, like, was able to pray for him and, like, share how God had changed my... I invited him to, to church and, like, he's, he's going to come next. It was so cool. What do you do tomorrow? All you see is open garages, right? You're driving through your neighborhood. It's like, oh man, I gotta go in a garage. <laughs> I'm gonna be the creepy neighbor, just walking into garages, right? It's not gonna work out that way for you. They'll probably kick you out or shoot you in Alaska, right? You just never know. <laughs> Walk into somebody's garage unannounced. It's gonna go down wrong sometimes. So, here's my point: like, we compare ourselves to other people, and sometimes what that reveals is there's 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 some some thing left in us. Like, there's something left to be wrung out of of us. When you see your game start to pick up around certain people, you realize that you're not playing your best. You're not giving your all. I mean, we don't want to let somebody else's success determine our success. 2 Corinthians ten twelve. I love the message version of this. It says, in all this comparing and grading and competing, they quite miss the point. Right? And all this looking around and going, man, at least I'm a little better than him, but man, I'm not as good as him. You just, you're just missing the point. That's not the point. The point is that you would honor God's call in your life. And if it's to be king like Uzziah, that you be king and you do it in great submission of God, honoring him, trusting that every bit of what you've gotten comes from him. I love this. Isaiah 2.22 says, Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath, for of what account is he? So he's saying, who are you trying to impress? Like seriously, if somebody else in this world, they're just air breathers. Can you realize that? Like, I don't know who it is that you're trying to impress. I don't know who's gotten in your head. I mean, there might be people in this room who, even, who are adults and you're still trying to get the acceptance of your dad or the acceptance of your mom or of that person you grew up with. Like we hold on to these things forever. And he's saying, what account is he? What account is it if somebody in this room says you are a success? Because I think you can succeed at somebody else's calling and still fail in the eyes of God. I mean, I can do what you do and totally miss what I was intended to do over here. So we'll be people who know our place. And lastly, the only person you should be comparing yourself to is Jesus. But you're like, well, that stinks. <laughs> I'm going to fail at that every time. That's the point. That's exactly the point. Jesus shows us that you will never be good enough, and that's a really good thing. isn't Isn't that beautiful? Isn't there peace there? Like, no more trying to succeed. No more trying to impress God. No more trying to impress people around you. Like, no more living for the culture. Now it's just, listen, I can never be good as good as Jesus, and I know that. And so I don't need to try to impress people. I just need to do what God calls me to do. I need to be the dad that God wants me to be. I need to be a good husband. I need to be really good at my job for the sake of the kingdom. I need to love my neighbors for the sake of the kingdom. I need to read the word for the sake of the kingdom, not for the sake of impressing anybody else. And not because Jesus will love me anymore. Because he can't love you any more than he already does. Paul says this, if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. He says, if you are going to boast, just boast in God. That's what keeps our egos in check. It's this ability to just walk outside. And do you ever do this with your kids or with your friends? Just be like, have you seen this mountain in front of us? You know, Or do you ever just look at your family, look at your kids and go, are you, are you kidding me? Like, look at what I have here. You just look around and thank God. Boast in God. Look what he has done. It, it, it puts your pride into the right place. And not even just externally, but internally. Like, look what God has done through you. It's okay to be thankful for that. I mean, if God has done amazing things through you, then you give the glory to God. I'm not talking about pointing at the sky when you get a touchdown. I'm not talking about this like, yeah, it's all Jesus, but I don't really think so. You know, like I'm talking about a deep-seated conviction that you're nothing without Christ. And that's how we keep ourselves in check. The thing about the motorcycle girl in the video is at the last second, when she should have had her eyes fixed on the finish line, and when she should have been focused on riding the thing that gave her power, she let go of the throttle so she could celebrate herself. And I just, I feel this in me. I feel this tendency towards that. Like, like when things are going really good, can I just kind of fist bump in the air for just a second? Because I'm doing pretty well. And in those moments, that's when you should be on the throttle the most. Like if you're just nailing life right now, lean into Jesus because you're one step away from, from a fall, right? We just said that, pride comes before a fall. We all hear that, we all know that, but do we see that in our own lives? This is where peace comes from. When the world tells you to achieve, when the world says, just do more and be more to earn your worth, Jesus just says, give up. Just give up. Just trust me, and that's where you're going to find peace. So as a church, we're going to model this giving up in this letting go a little bit this morning we started a thing back in january called dollar for change it's these boxes on each side of the stage and so this is just a a little initiative we started that's a um, it's a way that we as a community in just a small way that we're modeling what it looks like to trust god so if you don't know what that's about basically we asked everyone to bring a one dollar bill for everybody in their family and uh, then as we're worshiping we ask people to come up and put a dollar bill in the boxes and so somebody had donated a car to ACF Church which is just awesome and then it needed some repairs and so we used the money from dollar for change to repair the car and then we gave it to this family they're living in some low-income housing in Anchorage just doing everything that they can to get back on their feet Uh, the father in the family he did snow removal that was his job this last winter which is not a good job when there's no snow and so they were really struggling last year. And so because we gave them a car, we just got word that he got a new job and that he's doing much better financially. They are uh, coming out of the situation that they were in. And so we were able to literally change his family's life with a vehicle. I mean, it's just a car, right? But this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And so... What we're doing is we're just encouraging you to come up and be a part of this. We're asking you, not for a lot of money, for a $1 bill. You're going to lose more than that in the drive-thru of McDonald's on the way home, right? I mean, it's, it's a dollar, you know? And so if you're like, man, the church is always about money, come on. Like, this is just a simple way that we can do something small and model what it looks like if, if everybody does just a little bit. We can change lives for the sake of the gospel. So what would it look like if we all gave everything to God? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about trusting him with everything that you are. What would the movement of Christ look like in the city of Eagle River if we didn't just give a little, but we all just poured our souls out for the sake of the kingdom? Can we just pray together? Jesus, we we as a church, God, we just pray that you would get our egos in check. And honestly, God, I'm kind of scared even to ask for that because I don't know what that means sometimes. But God, I just pray that for us as a, as a community, God, that we would know our place. Father, that we lean in to the grace of Jesus when things are going well, when we're succeeding and doing great things. God, that we would trust you with everything knowing that all of what we have comes from you. God, never allow us to be a community that's conceited and arrogant and proud because we think that we've done something of value outside of the grace of Jesus. We just see ourselves, God, as as recipients of grace. And God, the fact that you choose to use us to share that with the world is just amazing. So God, continue to grow us, continue to challenge us, God, I pray that we wouldn't just use these things as ethereal ideas, God, but we'd walk out of this church today, change for the kingdom. It would come out of our our arms and our, our legs and our actions and our words, God. We love you, God, and pray as we worship in this next few moments, God, that we would raise you on high and recognize you as the king over all things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.